We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the rookie-to-rookie rookie action outside the blue door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back, gets up the shot. Bakes it in for the lead. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up, and welcome to the Uncontested podcast. We are coming to you live Sunday, March 6th, after the Thunder have taken on and lost to the Utah Jazz tonight. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of SI Thunder. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Taylor Peterson with me tonight. Where am I? One of one. Cactus Shea shirt. Before oh. we uh, got it taken down due to copyright. Shout out I Travis see Scott. You. I see you. We got J.D. Silva tonight. Fellas. It is the three-man game tonight, as it is just three us man on the weed. pod. Before we dive into the Thunder versus Utah game, we're going to talk some SGA as a number one option. I think it's a pretty apt discussion based on what that man is, has accomplished recently. We're going to do a tank update, do some around the association. Before we get there, though, gentlemen, couple of things I want to mention. First off, the new and improved uncontested merch store. Speaking of t-shirts. Is live. And boy, do we have some straight heat in there. The drip is real. So if you're on the live stream right now, you can see us uh, showing off some of these shirts. If you are listening to the podcast version, uh, the website is cotton bureau b-u-r-e-a-u dot com slash people slash the dash uncontested dash podcast one more time that is cotton bureau dot com slash people slash the dash uncontested dash podcast our man justin has been hard at work and we have a ton of new designs up like the wizard of oz Hand Down, Man Down, <laughs> Prestige Worldwide. We've got a Skittle shirt, the Dordal Combat, and Pokemon, Lutang Clan, SGA, 
some uncontested shirts, everything you need. If you are in the States getting ready for springtime, you can go snag a short sleeve. For some of our friends from New Zealand on Australia, uh, approaching winter, you can get all of these in sweatshirt. If you're like Taylor and you're about to have a baby, you can even get these in onesies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Little Brooksy's going to be decked out in some uncontested onesies. <laughs> so make sure to go check out Cotton Bureau. Snag yourself a new uncontested shirt. They look incredible. Uh, we're super excited and super proud of, of what we've put together over there. Also, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to the, the Uncontested. Uh, drop that five-star rating and DM it to us on any of our social channels, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, wherever, and we will mail you out some uncontested stickers. Uh, I still have quite a few here. I've got more envelopes going out really soon, so make sure to get in on those. Uh, we'd love to send you some uncontested stickers as well. With that being said, gentlemen, let's dive in to talk some basketball. The OKC Thunder tonight took on the Utah Jazz, uh, a Jazz team that went into overtime with the Houston Rockets a few nights ago. Um, but tonight, no overtime needed as the Jazz beat the Thunder 116-103. to And Taylor, really the story of this game tonight, um, Utah shoots 44% from three, <laughs> hit 23 threes. <laughs> Meanwhile, Oklahoma City shot 20%, only 8 of 40 from three. Uh, Utah's biggest culprit uh, won Boyan Bogdanovich, who's been relatively cold lately, 11 of 18 from three. He made he went three more of, threes than the entire Thunder team. He went one of six, I believe the broadcast said, uh, whenever their, uh, the Utah's last game was. I don't think this was the second half of back-to-back for them. So it been two nights ago. Uh, yeah, answers with going 11 of 18 from three. He was 11 of 19 from the floor overall. So like you said, uh, just absolutely on fire. I think at one point, Tony Jones, a longtime Utah jazz beat writer who covers the team for the athletics said that uh, Bogdanovich, it has flames literally shooting out of his ass. And uh, that was pretty accurate. (laughs) Yeah. I quote tweeted that. And I said, whenever you try one spice too high on the spice level chart for the hot wings, (laughs) (laughs) looking like the, looking like the space shuttle taking off. No, he, uh, Boyan was just unconscious tonight. It started early. And really, this was a following a theme from Friday night with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, the Thunder, I had tweeted tonight from the uncontested account. The Thunder have been uh, pretty high up on the list as far as defending the three for the season. Uh, very impressive stuff. They always close out. They're, they're forcing teams to take difficult threes. Teams are shooting a low percentage from them. Uh, from from three against the Thunder on the season, which is impressive in and of itself, considering the Thunder's personnel, considering their predicament of uh, being mid-tank. But these past two games have really um, pulled the Thunder back to the middle with that, with Minnesota just being absolutely scorching hot the other night, and then Utah starting the game on fire from three. Uh, got a little cold in the fourth. But then Boyan really closed it out for him down the stretch. So the past two games, the Thunder have allowed 47 uh, made threes, which is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> 22 uh, against Minnesota on Friday, and then uh, 25, like you mentioned, Jacob, tonight. Yep, and the three-pointer is the really the great equalizer in the oh, sorry, NBA. 23 tonight. <laughs> um, still. 
I, I did the post game podcast after the Thunder took on Denver, and I was talking about this from the opposite perspective, right? Denver couldn't make a three, and OKC was unconscious. And I told people, don't get too high on this. This, this is, you know, this isn't a consistent thing. This is just a hot shooting night, uh, and it's proven to be that way. But when one team hits threes for the game and the other team does not, typically that team is going to win. Um, it, it doesn't take, you know, like a crazy NBA analysis to figure that out. Yep. So, um, Taylor, another thing we got to continue to talk about is Shea Gilgis Alexander. We're going to dive more into him later on in the show. But his night tonight, again, uh, 33 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, four steals, and maybe the most impressive stat tonight, zero turnovers. Zero turnovers is pretty ridiculous there. Um, I love what you tweeted out, Jacob, about how he started the game. Um, really struggling with Gobert turn protection. And then from there, being able to adjust, uh, going to that mid-range shot, uh, floaters over Gobert. I just think that's incredibly impressive to be able to do that. Not only um, like we've seen him being able to adjust on the fly during a game like he has you know, this season, but also take into consideration the guys he is playing with. Obviously, the Thunder only have nine players again tonight um, with Roby being a late scratch due to some lower back soreness. So Shea is playing alongside guys like Trey Mann, um, I say Poku, Baisley, Wiggins was a starting lineup, and then you have the G League squad coming in <laughs> for your bench. Yeah, just really, really impressive stuff. And I, I thought you brought up a really good point on how he was able to adjust um, about midway through the second quarter, maybe a little earlier than that, and then from there, there was just nobody that really could stop him. Yeah. So two things I want to talk about there: first, the the Shea part, and then the lineup part. Um, yeah, first quarter, it felt like Shea was really getting to the basket. If you if you go back and you watch those first three or four drives that Shea had out of isolation, there are five Utah defenders with a foot in the paint. Like the defense has just completely and totally collapsed on the rim to prevent Shea from getting to the basket, um, which makes it hard for him. And then Rudy blocked his shot, I think twice there in the first quarter. And Shea was really trying to get to the rim and it just wasn't working out. And like you mentioned, Taylor, in that second quarter, he adjusted and he started to go to the basket and uh, cut those drives off short, uh, hit a little stutter at about the free throw line, and either take a step back or a crossover yep. and go to that little midi game that he has become really lethal at. Uh, it's been critical. Yeah, I mean, he, I, he's kind huge. of become that three, that three, uh, what, do, what do you call it? The three threat score or whatever, where he can get to the triple rim. Threat, three level. The triple threat. The triple uh, threat. <laughs> like he can it. hit the three, but that mid-range game, which a lot of people don't go to anymore, he's he's almost Chris Paul-esque in that off-the-dribble, quick-stop, pull-up uh, little there mini game. As you said that, I was perfect yeah, right on, on the highlights that, uh, that Silva has going for us right now. There was a play where he just basically crossed over, pulled up at the free-throw line, stopped on a dime, and was able to to uh, just drill it. I think that's, like you said, Jacob, That's there, there aren't a lot of players doing that anymore, but you think of the most elite uh, scorers in the league, and they are. Um, in fact, that's kind of what separates them from other scores. For example, Bogdanovich, who is an elite three-point scorer like we saw tonight. Players like Shea, uh, I even think of, I, I, got, I was fortunate enough <laughs> to watch the uh, the Celtics-Nets game earlier today. And watching Kevin Durant, but especially Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason, uh, yeah. Yeah, you got it right. Jason Tatum. <laughs> I can guess myself there, because um, Jalen Brown was doing the same thing. But Jason Tatum, some of his elite 
um, crossovers that he had, and he was able to pull up from the mid range and was just dropping shot after shot. Like I think that's really what separates scores, um, like the most elite scores in the league compared to some of these others. So I think that's critical for Shea. I do want to see him continue to develop that three point shot, especially the catch and shoot, which maybe we can get into here in a little bit. Uh, but I cannot agree more, Jacob. I think that I, you bring up a really good point with him being able to adjust and hit that mid range shot. From there, like I said, it, it seems like he could not be stopped the rest of the game. Well, that's because the team's having to guard him and anticipate that mid-range shot, which opens up the lane for him even more, yeah. even when he doesn't have the personnel spreading the floor for him. So just so many options moving forward, I think, for Shea when it comes to his scoring versatility. Yeah, the the slitheriness in the lane to get his shot off, um, off wrong foot, wrong hand, um, flipping it over his shoulder, whatever, reverses. Uh, he's been a little more explosive lately, dunking the ball more. Um, the mid-range pull-up, so you, you play tight because you're afraid he's going to step back and pull up and he'll slither past you. You play off because you're afraid he's going to get to the rim and he'll he'll shoot the little midi pull-up. Um, he's not afraid to take the sidestep or the step-back three, the catch-and-shoot three. There's just a little bit of everything going for him. Uh, makes him an incredibly difficult cover. We're, we're going to dive a little more in-depth for yep. with Shea here in a bit. But Taylor, the other thing you mentioned was the starting lineup tonight. Shea Gojas-Alexander... Trey Mann, Aaron Wiggins, Alexei Pokashevsky, and starting center for the Oklahoma City Thunder, Darius Baisley, <laughs> matched up on Rudy Gobert. Uh, he's giving up about 30 or 40 pounds there. I have some personal feelings about Rudy Gobert. We don't have yes, to dive into those if, if we too. don't want to. But Thunder started extremely small with the late scratch of Isaiah Roby. Um, so technically, no centers healthy tonight. Isaiah Roby... Um, uh, well, no, I take that back. Sorry. Uh, two-way Olivier. player Olivier Saar yep. uh, was available and ready to go. Uh, did not start the game. But the the Thunder went small. And one, one of my notes here, Taylor, very early on in the game, I said, OKC starts small. It's a mismatch on both ends for Gobert. Uh, he overpowers Baisley but refuses to step out of the lane. Because he can, right? Like, I think you brought up a great point again when, when you were tweeting from the account, like him being able to step out and guard perimeter defenders. I know there are a lot of people, uh, those who cover the Jazz, as well as some national podcasters or, or national uh, writers who would say that Gobert has been much better on the perimeter this uh, this season. In fact, there's instances where um, I think Quinn Snyder has said in some of his pressers and some of his interviews that he prefers Gobert being out there. But Gobert is still not an elite uh, perimeter defender. And that showed early. I think I quote tweeted you just kind of being funny, like Thunder by 20. Well, it was the opposite, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that just continues to show you um, some areas where uh, some areas of concern for when the Jazz are in the playoffs this season. Yeah, definitely. And but on I the mean, other end, I mean, maybe we should talk about Baisley. This yeah. is a Thunder podcast. I'm sorry, I got us uh, <laughs> well, a little off track. Baisley had a lot of wide open threes tonight because he would run pick and pop, and he'd pop out to the three point line. And Rudy Gobert strictly plays drop defense in in the pick and roll. He he will not step up even to the level of the screen. Um, he will not switch screens. He always sinks back uh, and and protects the rim. So it led to a ton of Baisley open threes. Uh, Baisley just could not make those threes. I don't have the stats pulled up in front of me. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys do on what Baisley shot from three tonight. Here it is, one of seven. Uh, Baisley, one of seven, just could not hit the open threes. But consequence, consequently, on the other end, I, I thought the the epitome of Rudy Gobert's offensive game at the very beginning of that third quarter, 
He got the ball thrown to him underneath the basket with Baisley on him. I said earlier, Baisley's like 40 pounds less than Gobert. Gobert catches right under the basket. Simple move, and he can get a bucket on Baisley. And he goes Couldn't for the get hook a shot, shot and it ended, yeah, yeah, ended up turning the ball over. Shea came over and stole it from him. I, again, I don't. This is a Thunder podcast. I don't want to dive into to Rudy Gobert slander, although I want to. <laughs> but I mean, this dude, whenever his next contract is up, the max for him because he's about to be, if he wins it again, a four time Defensive Player of the Year. As much as I hate Rudy Gobert, that was a recording for anybody not uh, watching the stream. <laughs> I, 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 I was I, so confused. I'm <laughs> on the live stream uh, and Jacob's lips stopped moving. I'm on record. I'm on record. Not going Rudy Gobert. He's going to be owed like forty-eight or forty-nine million dollars a season. Like, are you paying that to Rudy Gobert? Uh, not to mention just the off-court stuff, maybe between him and Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm exactly with you. Uh, I'll put it this way. I think I'm picking Donovan Mitchell over Rudy 10 times out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of though, um, th- this won't happen. Uh, if if Utah gets broken up, it's going to be a Rudy Gobert trade. It's not going to be a Donovan Mitchell trade unless he asks for it. But for our listeners, um, Zach Lowe of the Low Post on ESPN, uh, the Low Post podcast, did a pod earlier this week with Tim McMahon, who is basically um, all things Dallas Mavericks, uh, Houston Rockets, Utah Jazz guy. Um, and and McMahon said something about how this is like a pivotal offseason or, or a pivotal playoff run for the Utah yep. Jazz. And you could see some pretty drastic changes in Utah this summer if they do not make a playoff push. And I asked once I heard that I was listening to that in the gym. And once I heard it, I, I sent a private Slack message to you guys. We we talked about it a little bit privately, but I want to like make it a, a public question as well. Just, again, this is just a hypothetical. But let's say Utah gets bounced in the first round, which I don't think is impossible. I think it definitely could happen. Let's say Utah gets bounced in the first round. Uh, the dynamic between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell still isn't good. And we get a Woj report that Donovan Mitchell... Um, once out of Utah. And, and this comes out like shortly after the first round of the playoffs. And it becomes like talk of the town during the second round and, and the conference finals. And then the, the lottery happens and OKC gets pick number three. Okay. Would you be willing to trade pick number three? The Clippers pick this year. Lou Dort and give Utah back that protected pick they owe us from dumping Derek Favors. So pick number three, the Clippers pick probably mid, mid-teens this this draft. That future Utah pick that they owe us, we give them that back. And Lou Dort for Donovan Mitchell. That's tough. I uh, <laughs> I'm I feel insecure about the idea of, of going all in on a backcourt that is not great defensively. That's my big hang up there. Like I, I and even and then having Giddy out there, obviously, like he's not an excellent yep. defender, but I, I don't really like the idea of having Giddy, Mitchell, and Shea out there defensively. What do you, do you guys follow under the same idea? I so yes, I'm a I'm with you, Silva. I I, I think I'm kind of an I think you and I are kind of seeing eye to eye on this. It kind of brings up a bigger question of the tank, which I know like 
especially in the Slack, we kind of have some big picture themes. And I don't know if we want to get into that tonight or if we'll hold off on those. Um, but all that to say, like, I think especially this recent stretch of games, uh, seeing the level that SJ has been playing at and then just thinking of what he can be when he's, he's surrounded with the right kind of players, um, that certainly accelerates your timeline to an extent. And I think that's why we're seeing, uh, for example, things that are happening right now with the Thunder Lions, <laughs> like we're seeing, like 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 we saw tonight. Presley is truly going all in because I think he does recognize um, that you can't really do this again next season, for example. So because of that, uh, if the Thunder were to get unlucky again, this upcoming uh, draft lottery, you would start to have to look at those sort of trades. So I say all that just because it's very rare that that would happen. It's also hard to find one of those players that has a, uh, that's on a long enough contract that he'd be able to stay in OKC. You're not just giving up a bunch of assets for a player who could hypothetically, you know, be in OKC for one season. All that to say, like if a player that caliber is available, I understand why many would say, yes, you have to go and do that with a talent like Shea surrounded with another talent like Mitchell. My argument, what I said in the Slack, however, was that, you kind of already, and I'm probably going to get some slack for this. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You kind of already have a Donovan Mitchell and Shea Gills Alexander. And I'm, I'm not sure that a Donovan Mitchell is kind of to what you were saying, Silva, is a kind of player you want to push all the, at least a majority of the chips in for to go and get. Um, so I would rather hold off on that, I think, and try and find a better fit. So both of you I'm guys not sure are not arguing kind of against accelerating the timeline. A little too both much. of you guys are not arguing against the cost. You're arguing against the fit. I'm, yeah. I'm arguing as a player. I'd rather hold off on, on the cost and, and go and find a different player. And I'm not sure any of those guys are like cost. maximized if they're all together also. Okay. Good point as well. Interesting. Well, for our, our listeners that are currently in the chat and those of you on the pod, uh, tweet us your thoughts, post your thoughts in the comments. We're interested. Uh, would you give up that package for Donovan Mitchell if everything went south in, in Utah <laughs> this summer? Silva, let me flip it around. Mm-hmm. Let let's half that cost, but the player is Rudy Gobert. <laughs> no, I actually I have been thinking. Rudy Gobert. I've actually been thinking for a while. Like it's unfortunate the, uh, the position the Jazz are in because you you're gonna either pay Rudy Gobert a ton of money or flip him for something lesser. I think it's kind of a mm-hmm. similar situation to where Portland is in, where they don't have a ton of room to to upgrade. Like, do you get an All Star if you trade Rudy Gobert? That's a great question, especially Jazz would on want what it. his contract will be. Especially yeah. with Danny Ainge at the like freaking you, helm now. But yeah, uh, I feel like you get a fringe, like your fringe all star. Yes. You don't get a player of equal impact, I don't think, for Rudy Gobert. So that's tough. Like hypothetically, we keep talking about you know all three of us, uh, all of us on our podcast. I've been talking about the fit of a rim running big, kind of uh, uh, Olivier uh, Sar, kind of being that prototype that the thunder are kind of getting a look at the great value version yeah right right exactly the expired Um, great value version so (laughs) gobert absolutely fits that but i think you're looking for a center a big with a little more versatility that can step out and hit that outside (laughs) (laughs) 100 and then uh i'm kind of coming around on jalen duran as well me too i watched him i I watched this full game today we 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 gotta gotta get get back to this jazz game we gotta get back to this (laughs) jazz game um i wanted to ask you guys a question about this about this game actually okay is lindy waters what what do you guys think about lindy waters i saw he had that highlight block is he gonna be an nba player he is it's a great story so he's I, an I oklahoma know. legend yeah <laughs> hey he played he played at norman north with trey young uh, i don't know how that team did not win the state title but they no did kidding. not um 
No, but like we just mentioned that Olivier Saar is a great value prototype of a of a type of player I think this team wants to have. Lindy Waters is a great value prototype of a player this team wants to have. An elite shooter who's going to work his ass off defensively. I mean, that that block that block is so broccoli. Like I can't yeah. think of something more broccoli than the Lindy Waters block. That's so true. Like you know Dignall's over on the sideline just pumping his fist. Yeah. His three-point specialist, undersized guy that was playing semi-pro ball in El Reno 12 months ago just blocked an NBA guy at the rim. Like that, that is the epitome of the culture the Thunder are trying to build. Even, uh, and it's but awesome. still, your point still stands. He's he's not an NBA player. He's not an Enid, NBA player. El Reno, don't matter. He's not so an NBA it's, player. So it's just a, a better story than seeing Charlie Brown play last year. We're seeing, yeah, we're seeing a absolutely. fringe he's NBA guy awarded. get a ton of minutes. And, yes. Okay. I think, although, um, you know, I said I, I, I am on record and uh, have eaten my crow already, but I think it was like three weeks ago, I was on this podcast saying like, you know, oh, Waters just got signed to a two-way, but it's just like a feel-good story. They'll give him some burn. Um, you know, Dignall's throwing him in for like seconds at a time at the end of quarters for him to get shots off. Then he's going to get waived and they'll bring up DJ Wilson to fill that two-way spot or something. But um, I tweeted that out, and then our own Nick Crane said that, wait, hold on. Uh, Waters is signed to a two-year two-way deal. So uh, because of that, I have some I – mean, maybe we'll see him on the, the roster next season. Yeah, on that that's two-way. a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's a possibility. But you can always um, wave that. Yeah. couple other guys we got to talk about tonight before we move on. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but Aaron Wiggins makes his return to the lineup tonight after his second rolled ankle. 11 points on five of eight shooting, missed both of his threes, but had four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and had drawn the Donovan Mitchell matchup, which is a very difficult matchup for most of the night. Taylor, thoughts on Aaron Wiggins' performance tonight? Love what we saw from Aaron, uh, especially because after he rolled, I believe it was the same exact ankle mm-hmm. <laughs> here a couple weeks back. I thought he was going to be done for the season. So to see him come out and being able to contribute like he was um, – like you mentioned, Jacob, obviously his defense is kind of what sparks his offense, uh, but seeing him run the floor in transition, he got some of those really nice, uh, some easy layups and dunks because he's able to cut um, to the basket and, and guys like Shea and Trey Man are able to find him, Poku are able to find him, um, or just running in transition in general, like getting out on the fast break, leading to those same kind of transition baskets as well. Um, I, I found that really impressive. Obviously, I think tonight he was, let's see, yeah, oh, two from three. <laughs> so the three-point shot still isn't there really post-All-Star break. Even before that, we saw his three-point shot uh, kind of trailing off once he came back from that original ankle injury. But all that to say, I'm really impressed with, with what Wiggins is. Just a fundamentally sound guy, like we keep talking about. Very much cut from the same cloth as a uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, although mm-hmm. different positions. Uh, just really impressive stuff. He had two plays tonight that jumped out on me on the offensive end. Uh, the one was the Poku um, quarterback pass. Yes. That he that caught awesome. and finished the end one. So and I then, tweeted about that, like Poku QB1, but Poku chest passed that thing. That's incredible. I love it. I love it. Um, And then the other one, he shot a corner three, missed it, uh, followed his shot, caught it and got a dunk. And I just thought that was, that was a nice little play by him. Um, Yeah. I expect, I I expect he'll, he'll get some starts. Interesting. I want to talk about Poku next Taylor. Before we talk about Poku though. Poku uh, got the starting nod whenever Aaron rolled that ankle, right? 
And then tonight, Aaron and Poku started um, while Isaiah Roby was out. Had a, the last minute scratch. Let me ask you this. If Roby did not get scratched and played, that sounds like he like got physically scratched, and that's why he was out. <laughs> got, got his name marked out of the lineup. And Roby started tonight. Who else would have started? Would it have been Wiggins or would it have been Poku? I, we already know that answer because um, uh, Dagnall announced the starting lineup to the media. Oh, okay. I missed it. to Roby getting scratched. Yeah, so so Poku was starting with Wiggins coming off the bench. Now, to, yes. My son. So that's kind of our I, – I think you and I are probably had the same answer there. But I think the real question is if, we, you know, a week from now, Poku and Wiggins both have stayed healthy – does Poku still stay in the starting lineup or was Wiggins just coming off the bench tonight because they're just trying to get him acclimated again. That's and then true. obviously the Roby situation happens. Hey, I'm ready but, for the conversation of whenever things get a little more settled in, should Poku or Baisley start? Right. And that, especially if you get a guy like Jabari Smith to pair. Anyways, Baisley um, coming out of the all-star break, we're getting bad bays again. We are. <laughs> I thought tonight he was like defensively. I thought he worked really, really yes. hard. Uh, Dagnalt said post game tonight that Baisley's future in this league is on the defensive end, uh, which I very much I believe. But Robertson's future in the NBA was on the defensive end as well. Um, Robertson was way better of a defensive player than Baisley is. Um, although he wasn't as good of an offensive player. Baisley is going to have to be able to score the ball and do things offensively uh, to be a contributor in this league, not just the defense he is playing right now. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, I agree. Baisley Baisley made me a believer, and then now he's on the downward trajectory again. But let's not talk about Baisley because I want (laughs) to talk about Alexei Pokushevsky. (laughs) Okay. Um, Poku tonight had – I'm trying to find a stat line here – 33, almost 34 minutes. He shot 6 of 15 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. But 12 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. Um, In a game that they lost 116 to 103, he was a minus 2 compared to Baisley's minus 20 and Trey Mann's minus 30. Trey had a rough night tonight. He did. (laughs) Baisley's doing some stuff, man. Sorry, not Baisley. I'm sorry, Baisley. Poku, Poku. Poku is doing some stuff. Poku is absolutely doing some stuff. Obviously, we talked about the two-handed pass. Like, there's just these highlights that just make you kind of go, wow. I'm trying to think. Uh, there was a play in the second half as well. Where oh, he- oh I, I know I know what it is. Here, here's what Poku blocks Rudy Gobert yes. at the rim, leads the fast break on his own, drops a no-look dime to a cutting Aaron Wiggins for a dunk. That is the microcosm of the ceiling of Alexei Pokashevsky. Exactly. A seven-footer who can block a rim-running big at the rim, run a fast break adequately, and then drop a no-look dime. That is is the microcosm, the epitome of who Alexei Pokashevsky can be. I'm sorry, that play got me really, really excited. You're absolutely right. So, no, that's exact. yes, that was it. To be able to do that on both ends of the floor. Also, like, because of the small lineup that that they played. Um, obviously we saw Baisley get some time on Gobert. We saw uh, Sar get some time on Gobert, but Poku got some time on Gobert as well. And uh, again, uh, kind of to our original point, maybe this is more Gobert issues than it is uh, Poku's strengths, but Poku did fairly well on him. Um, also, this is from Nick Gallo. He had some, some really good stats from tonight's game. And I, I know I always talk about Gallo tweets um, just because he they're fun. 
Third career double-double for Poku after that run-out run dunk from Shea. Also ties a career-high 11 rebounds while defending Gobert for much of his time on the floor, which is what I was getting at as well. Seeing him be able to do that on both ends of the floor, stay disciplined, also stay within himself and the offense, that's exactly what we're wanting to see from mm-hmm. Poku. So to your point, Jacob, if we can see him start to hit that outside shot consistently. And the um, shot looks better. It looks better. But can he get to fall? Yeah. Right. And if he can, like that's a guy you have to have out there in yeah. those lineup. I mean, he, that's a guy that spaces the floor. And you mentioned that that pass excited. from Shea in that in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth, that got Poku the tenth point. And then his eleventh and twelfth was off a Teo Maladone pass where he double clutched uh and oh, went up and finger clutch. rolled it. Yes. Um he's putting like it together. His head too. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like a double clutch and then like straight to the basket. He like you know, behind his ear. It was yeah, he's, impressive. he's, he's putting some stuff together. I'm pretty impressed. Uh, Silva, I believe you have Poku's stats over the last 10 games. I'm interested to hear these. I do. Um, so I want to go through points really quick and then uh, break down some like standout performances from some of these games, uh, points, uh, from March 6th to, uh, through February 11th, 12, 12, 9, 9, 13, 13, 10, uh, two, seven and 15. And then uh, what a lot of these performances look like. Uh, so tonight, uh, 12, 8, uh, 12, 11, and 4 um, against uh, Minnesota, 12, 5, and 2. Uh, but then you see nights like Denver, who was 9, 11, and 3. Um, for, for these games, he had at least two blocks. Um, he's just yep. doing a lot. Yep. Doing a lot. Had, had more than two steals in a couple games. Um, doing a little bit of everything out there. Kind of a stat sheet stuffer. That's a good mm-hmm. point. I'm glad yep. you mentioned the, the blocks and the steals as well, Silva. Like he's doing so much more than. Um, than just your traditional points, rebounds, assists. Like it's, it's awesome. I, it, what, what, which game do you guys remember? Um, was it the Denver game? Silva, to your point that he started out the game with like four points, two assists, two rebounds, one block, one steal. Yeah, it, was like Denver, like it was that Denver. It was that start in Denver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he was just like, yeah, it, it was awesome. It was <laughs> absolutely it, awesome. Then it cooled down a little bit, but yeah. it is great to see Poku doing this uh, with a little more opportunity. Now, I think just kind of, maybe wrap all this up we talked about Shea like being able to perform like he has even with all these players out well you know it might not be until next season but when these other players do come back how does Poku is he still able to impact the game like this um all over the stat sheet like Silva just mentioned to us when more of these players are back like uh Giddy and uh, maybe you have a new big and, and obviously Kendrick yeah. Williams and Lou. Yeah. That, it, it'll be interesting to see how all of them fit together and are still able to like, you know, um, kind of play off each other's strengths. And I'm Definitely. curious how Poku fits in that. Definitely. Uh, last note on tonight's game. We mentioned that Isaiah Roby did not play. Aaron Wiggins was back. No updates health updates on the rest of the guys that are out. Although a few days ago, Mark Dagnall did make the announcement that was it a few days ago or was it yesterday? I can't remember my days bleed together that Josh Giddy will not be reevaluated for a couple of weeks. Uh, so Josh is going to be out. It looks like for a minimum of three weeks here, a couple of weeks will put us uh, towards the end of March. The season ends in mid April. Uh, so two weeks from now, he would be coming back to play like maybe about 10 games. Uh, we will see if they bring him back or if they shut him down for the season. That's going to be interesting. Um, you know, it gun to my head. I don't think Mike Muscala plays again this season. I'm questioning if Kenrich Williams plays again this season. Mm-hmm. 
Taylor, I know you've gone a little bit deeper and asked, like, will Lou Dort play again this season? I don't think um, so. <laughs> we, we've got... We've got some full-on tankery going on, I believe, here with some of these uh, sidelines and injuries. And they're doing it so well, too. Like, I can't remember. Maybe it was just quotes or something from Dignall, but essentially mentioning, like, uh, trying to balance player development, young player development with, um, you know, being cautious with injuries, not rushing them back, you know, uh, making sure they're healthy in order to, you know, not not pushing player development and, and putting these players at risk of further injuries. So this whole like cautious injury thing that like Presti can go to the league and say, no, you know, like uh, get still out because we're being cautious with it. We don't want to rush him back. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like one of those uh, half truths, right? It, yep. <laughs> it's uh, it's all part of the plan, man. All right. Well, so that is a breakdown of the, the Jazz versus Thunder game again. Thunder lose 103-116 to the Utah Jazz. Somehow made it a game, even though they got down by 20 plus uh, there early on. Gentlemen, from here, we talked earlier. I said I wanted to mention more on Shay later on in the show. Well, we're later on in the show. Uh, <laughs> Silva, we're going to rope you in heavy on this part as well. Since coming back from the All-Star break, Shay Gojus-Alexander has been on a freaking terror. The guy is just going berserk, uh, turning heads around the league. I feel like our conversations a lot about this Oklahoma City Thunder team have been They've got Shea, they've got Lou, they've got Giddy. They need to go find that maybe their number one, their go-to guy, their, their leading scorer, and then they've got their squad and they're ready to go. Do they already have that guy in Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Let me offer you some stats that maybe will, will lean you one way or the other. And then I want us to have this conversation of, can Shea be the number one guy, the go-to guy in the playoffs for a contending team? So... Since the All-Star break, which is what six six games, I believe. Shay is at tasks because I was looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find them. Shea is <laughs> averaging 33.3 points a game. He's shooting 56.6% from the field, 36% from three, nearly 80% from the free throw line. He's wow. averaging six rebounds a game, almost seven assists a game, and two steals a game. For this season, he leads the lead. Leads the league. There we go. In drives per game, getting to the basket. And keep in mind, that's with a team that cannot space the floor for him. The worst three-point shooting team in the league. The team that nobody is afraid of their shooters. So they're collapsing the paint. Shea still leads the league in drives per game. He also leads the league in free throw attempts per game off of those drives. Since January 1st, the turn of the new year, he is sixth in the league in free throw attempts a game, which is we uh, we know, maybe some of our more casual listeners don't know, the elite players in the league get to the free throw line. That's where they get the, such high points per game totals. They get to the free throw line. Shea is averaging since January 1st, 8.2 free throw attempts a game. That puts him at sixth in the league. Right, he's up there with guys like Joel Embiid, Nikola Nikola Jokic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, James Harden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So my question for you guys, what has he shown you since the return from the All-Star break and the return from that sprained ankle? And where are you at on believing that Shea could be the number one guy on this team and they're filling out around him, not still trying to find the number one guy as a lot of people who cover this team uh, kind of believe. So just like two stats that I saw tonight that just blew my mind. And I'm curious your thoughts, Silva. Uh, And I mentioned Nick Gallo. He also tweeted out uh, six straight games with at least 25 plus points for Shea which is the longest streak of his career. Obviously, I, and I think Jacob mentioned this, but there's only been one game post-All-Star break where Shea has not scored 30 and he scored 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then our own Nick Crane, SGA's 30-plus point games. Year one, he had zero. Year two, he had three. Last year, he had 10. This year, he has 15 and counting, and he's averaging 33.3 points in the six games since returning from injury, which is pretty wild. I think I've had to think. I've thought a lot about Shea recently with his Terry's been on and with and specifically with Giddy out what what he's what he's been able to do with having nights where there's nine guys on the team uh several G League guys your two-way guys um the team is not currently constructed to make Shea succeed and he's succeeding despite that a lot of my questions about Shea have been well can he do this can he still do this in the playoffs when defenses get harder is he going to be able to do this if his step back three isn't falling? If if defense is really really focus focusing on him uh, in the playoffs down the road, I think ultimately, I I do think Shea can be the number one offensive option on a team, um, but I I think his second and third option, like if, if that were to be the case, I think you need to have a really really good two and three on that team. You need to have two two guys in the in the giddy class of of player. Um, not many, not many teams that are contenders and like highly, highly successful in the playoffs have their lead guy be the a point guard or a, a shooting guard uh, that scores the way the way Shea does. Uh, I think if you look at some some recent examples, uh, the Warriors when they were first getting started, you have obviously Steph Curry, um, just a um, insane offensive player. Uh, I think Shea can can score points uh, in a, in a similar way, but. Steph had his Draymond. Steph had his Clay. So 
yes, Shea, Shea can have an extreme offensive impact and lead this lead this team to a top 10 offensive rating uh, through a full season, but the supporting cast needs to be there for, for Shea, I think. Yes. Definitely. I, th- so, I think we're seeing evidence of that this season, right? Mm-hmm. Again, you watch those first three or four drives tonight, all five defenders have a foot in the lane. I think whenever you get pieces that fit with Shea, I, I think it's it's twofold. He, he's got to get better off ball. And that's what we were all looking forward to with he and Giddy playing together down the stretch here. And that's not happening. I think him getting better off the ball makes him more of an offensive threat. But we also know that in the playoffs, a lot of times it comes down to the other team has scouted the hell out of you for a week now. You've played five games. They know exactly what's coming. They know all your plays. They're diagnosing what you're doing as you're calling a play from the bench. They you know all of your sets. You and you, you just got to have an mf that can go get a bucket. I think Shea can be that guy. You mentioned the Zach Lowe podcast with Tim, Tim McMahon, Jacob, and uh, Tim McMahon made the joke. Um, if you're playing the Thunder, you better hope that you have a, a good G League scouting report. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, what they made me you said that. But I mean, Shea has an, a, the ability to get to the rim at will. He's got multiple ways to finish at the rim. He draws contact at an elite level. Like I think he can be your go-to scorer when when defenses really hone in on what you're doing and try to take away other things. The thing is, he has to get better off ball. And Silva, I think you hit the nail on the head. He specifically needs other players that hold defenses accountable and space the floor for him. Uh, Guys that can knock down a shot where either the defender doesn't leave that guy because they don't want him to shoot and it opens up a lane for Shea to get to the basket or that guy collapses and Shea's got an outlet that he can kick out to and know that guy can knock down threes. I I love and agree 110% with what both of you said. And I think I'm just like wanting to take that even a step further and saying that um, I absolutely think, and, and even this recent stretch, I think uh, with Shea, what he's been able to do, like I was saying, um, you know, with these lamps that he's been playing with post all-star break with all these injuries that the Thunder have had um, just shows how special he truly is. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I think that has accelerated. Um, I, I think there's a reason we're seeing Presti essentially go all in on the tank right now, because it's going to be very, very hard to get a Victor Wembanyama or a um, you know Scoot Henderson in the next draft, just to use extreme examples. Yeah. I, I know, and I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, Taylor. I know that lo- logically, the best thing for the Thunder is to be bad again next year, collect a top draft pick, let the CBA sort itself out, figure out the new rules, and that summer of 2023 is when you... Start, start making swinging for the moves. fences. Exactly. But next year, <laughs> if Shea, if Shea is this guy that we think he is, if Giddy is the guy we think he is and makes a step uh, from a 19 to a 20-year-old, which I think we all expect he will from 19 to 20, Trey Mann takes a step forward. If they get Blue a top board, four pick this draft, well, assuming he's with the team, <laughs> maybe they get a lottery pick next year. But they're not bottom three, bottom four odds again. Like not at all. They're closer they're to like with the play in ninth or tenth best odds. Exactly. You know, they're they're kind of in that Spurs Pelicans level of this season. Like they and, they will naturally take a step forward next so in, season. In that situation, I think you do just almost let the team 
right right out right like you you don't necessarily make big improvements to improve the team at the deadline but you also don't sit Lou with a shoulder injury and Josh Giddy with some hip soreness and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, like you are this season uh to to use specific examples uh, but I think just back maybe to put a bow on the shade thing I the only other thing I had to say is I'm not I almost don't like to say that like Shay has to be a one and this player has to be a two. You have to have a one, maybe Shay's a two, one A, one B. Like I think the kind of team that Pressy's building moving forward is yes, more likely than not, I think Shay will be the one, can be the one on that team. But you draft By the right one, players. You mean number one them. option, right? Yeah, sorry, like number one, one option. Guard. Correct. Right. Okay. Right. Or, or scoring option, yeah. uh, leading the team to victory night okay. in, night gotcha. out. Even if it's not in scoring, whatever it may be. But you also have other players on the uh, Jabari Smith to use another specific example from this upcoming draft. Like you're drafting players who can also be that number one mm-hmm. uh, night in night out. So I think you hypothetically, you have Shea in that scoring role. That's all going to come down to your point, Jacob, about him being able to adjust off ball. Um, you have another true score uh, versatile player on both ends of the floor. And then you have Josh Giddy, you know, whoever that may be. Um, that's who they're hoping to get either in one of these upcoming drafts or by trade. And then you have like a Josh Giddy who's able to facilitate and stuff the staff sheet uh, combined with all these different role players. And um, that, that, that fit the system that Jadon's building. And I think that is how we kind of transition into contention again and, uh, and optimize Shea because he's shown that he's that kind of talent that you want to build around and optimize. So I'm, I'm with you guys both. Definitely. It's I, go ahead, Silva. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the Thunder have learned from their, they're not necessarily mistakes, but I, I think they learned from the Russ experience. I think they saw what happened with Harden in Houston, where if you if you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, usage usage wise, so they're and they're already correcting that path. I think they already have talked a bunch about how they want Giddy to be the main facilitator and still let Shea do his thing. So if if Shea is hypothetically the number one option, uh, number one scoring option on a contending team, I hope that's not the path it takes where his usage just creeps up, uh, up and up and up and up and up. It's a great uh, point that route, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I really think this organization has learned. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. It's a really quick it's, question. It's for almost you guys. real, real quick before you yeah. ask your question. It's almost like they, this is maybe a bad example because this team is like historically good, but it's almost like they want to build a team where there's not really a number one guy and the wealth is spread out and, and everyone can, uh, dribble can shoot can make plays and and are willing to do that it's almost like those like late 2000s early 20 teens spurs teams oh 100 yeah. and it's not like mm-hmm. that you know the, 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 the pre-kawaii <laughs> spurs teams yep you know just guys that can move the ball everywhere that can fit a role that play together on a string that are all unselfish um but you have some elite guys mixed in there, but your elite guys buy into the program. They just need their Tim Duncan. That's right. I was going to say, you think of Tim Duncan, you think of Tim home. Come on home. All right. What was your, your question, Taylor? Um, I just, some of the comments we've heard from Shea that you can infer, like, look, Shea is very aligned with the organization. I know him and Presti communicate much more and then Presti's going to communicate about like, for example, some of these injuries with the team and like the long-term direction they're very much aligned with. But with that being said, if the Thunder get pick number six or seven this upcoming draft and they just pick a player, they don't really do anything major in the offseason, whatever it may be, they go throughout the season 
they're, they're kind of in a similar boat, like we said. Um, and then come around, you know, uh, a little before all-star, let's say like December, January of next season, we're starting to see Kenrich Williams not play as much. Mike Muscala not play as much, assuming they're both still on the team. Do we see Shea either go to management or Wasserman leak something to Woj saying that Shea Gills Alexander has had and his representation have had a meeting with the, the Thunder management and he says he's ready to win now. It's time to, you know, you know, trying to accelerate this a little bit. Like I just don't see Shea and even some of these other players being willing to go through this again for another season, is my point. I don't know. I mean that that would all be speculation on our part. Obviously, like we don't but right. I, I, the thing and that like I, I, said, I want people to well understand right and I, I think sometimes we overlook because we get so caught up in like the the drama of it all is we're not privy to the information behind the scenes. Like people think that like James Harden asked for a trade and it's just like, Oh my God, like this guy wants, do you know how often these star players and their management are in contact with GMs and front offices and coaching staffs and even ownership like Shay and his representation and Sam Presti are probably talking like every day. Right. And I don't think conversations like that will leak out. Um, I I think that my answer to that question is do maybe they want to advance the timeline a little bit. Yeah, sure. Shay wants to win like no shit. Right. But we have a track record of Presty being proactive instead of reactive. And I think those conversations with Shay and everyone trying to stay on the same page and get everyone what they want um, are happening at an overwhelming level that none of us are aware of. And I, I, I would have a very hard time seeing something like uh, a story leak out about Shay yeah. being unhappy or something. That's just not something that happens with this front office. Um, and again, this front office would be proactive. Before we even heard that Paul George wanted to trade out of Oklahoma City, his was ass was traded. in Los Angeles, <laughs> exactly. and Shay Gilgis Alexander and half the future draft picks of the world were, I mean, <laughs> shit, Presty got NHL draft picks in that trade, you know? Like, <laughs> no, I agree with you. And maybe I should have phrased that a little better. Like, I, I, obviously that story, like in that situation would only leak if, um, talks got to the point where it, Presley's telling them continue to be patient, them being Wasserman and Shea, and it's gotten to the point where they're impatient. So they leak it, whatever. But no, I, I think I agree with you. I just, uh, and I think that's all the more reason we're seeing again, <laughs> Presley go all in right now, because I'm not sure he thinks that the team's going to be able to go after a woman Yama or a Scoot Henderson in 2023. Yeah. Well, speaking of tank stuff, let's transition Silva. If you're ready with the sounder. <laughs> loser. You're a loser. And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to. Before I dive into the tank standings, just again, we're recording this live Sunday, March 6th. Uh, it's currently 10 PM. I just want to make a note that in an overtime game, Nikola Jokic just went for 46, 12, 11, three steals and four blocks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> late MVP put or not late MVP push, but that's absurd. Are like, you kidding yeah. me? That's a, don't forget about kidding me? Me MVP performance. Yes. That's ridiculous. Amazing. OKC still has the fourth best lottery odds, gentlemen, after the, the loss tonight. Indiana also lost today. So OKC stays 
even with Indiana. Uh, they have two less wins than Indiana. So Indiana has uh, 22 wins. Oklahoma City has 20. The Thunder have three more wins than Detroit and four more wins than Houston and Orlando. We say this every week we're on this show, but the Thunder holding steady at that number four best odds. Do you see that shifting between now and next week, either of you guys? I've been I've been cautiously optimistic about some movement, um, especially with how Detroit's been playing lately. I'm like, oh, go ahead, Detroit. Go ahead, Detroit, beat five and Boston. five in their last ten. Yeah, go ahead. And they played Boston competitively once, and then they won the second game. I think they've been they've been uh, they've been nice. They've been nice. Taylor, do you think there's any chance Oklahoma City goes up Ugh. or down before we record this show again in seven days? I mean, we talked about it in Slack tonight during the Thunder game, Jacob. Pacers lost again to the Wizards. Of course, poor Zingas, you know, his like his coming out party, like, you know, I'm uh, I'm still poor Zingas. How dare you trade me? Of course, he's going to have a good game tonight uh, with the Wizards, but I still worry about the Pacers. Obviously, the Pelicans are looking way better. Um, I'm not worried about the Pelicans anymore. Anthony Simons is freaking like, just going supernova, most improved player in the league. Um, you know, putting the keeping the Blazers afloat. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about <laughs> Sacramento and San Antonio yeah, either. Both have 24 wins, even, even though, though Sacramento just wins. cannot win a damn game. Same win percentage post All Star break as pre All Star break. Hilarious. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's amazing. Kings <laughs> will always, always Kings. Well. Maybe this will change your guys' mind a little bit. Maybe it will give some hope to our listeners. Before the show tonight, I decided to do, Silva uh, assisted me with some math, a project the final standings uh, update. So we looked at the top, or, or I guess your perspective, the bottom five teams in the league, Oklahoma City, Indiana, Detroit, Orlando, and Houston. We looked at how many games those teams have left. For instance, Houston had 16 games left on the schedule. So then we looked back at Houston's last 16. We figured out their record, and we applied that to their final 16 games of the season to get a final record. We did that for Houston, Orlando, Detroit, Oklahoma City, and Indiana. So for instance, Oklahoma City, I think, has 18 games left. We looked at OKC's previous 18 And then we're just taking that record and we're applying it to their final 18 games to get their final record on April 18th or whatever the last day of the season is to figure out where the odds will be. Here is how it rattled down. With the worst record and the number one best odds would be the Houston Rockets at 20 and 62. It's pretty awful. (laughs) Orlando would have the second best odds at 23 and 59. Detroit and Oklahoma City tied for third. We get another coin flip, boys, at 24 and 58. And Indiana comes in fifth at 25 and 57. So OKC and Detroit tie. Indiana, just one win more. Orlando, just one win more than OKC and Detroit. And then Houston really distances themselves uh, three wins less than anybody else. Although 
Houston did beat the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. Memphis was on a back-to-back and probably didn't try very hard against a dumpster fire Houston team. Hearing that, does that give you any hope that the Thunder can climb these standings? Obviously, there's some context there because uh, the Thunder have 18 games left. We looked at their last, their previous 18 games. Mm-hmm. Shea only played in six of those. That- so, so that that's a that plays a role, right? Strength a- of schedule. Aitman in the well. chat brings up a great point. The Rockets had an eight-game win streak this season, and they are still sitting at only 16 <laughs> wins. <laughs> Crazy. That is wild that's to think back to that an eight game win streak without Jalen Green. That's insane. Yeah, so that's insane. On. So uh, anyway. like Shooter and Christian Wood lead the Rockets to another win streak. I know. <laughs> that exercise, the results of that feel like somewhat likely and like the best case scenario for yes for Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I think like if, tying if we could for tie third. for third and and get a coin flip, that would be massive because the difference between third and fourth as far as odds. Uh, the third pick has a 52% chance at a top four selection. The fourth pick has a 48%, so it's four percentage points different. The third pick has a 14% chance at the number one pick. The fourth seed has a 12.5% chance, so a one and a half percent difference. And then it gets it's a really big drop off from four to five. If you're the fourth worst team, again, you have a 48% chance at a top four pick. If you're the fifth worst team, you have only a 42% chance. It's a six percentage drop, and which is pretty massive. With the sixth pick, you just hope you draft a Josh Giddy. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen every draft. Exactly. But I think the biggest thing for me that uh, I love that you guys did this because um, I'm looking at this now for the first time on, on the, the doc that we have. And I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is obviously take away Houston at number one, uh, number one best odds, but at number two best odds, you have uh, Orlando, <laughs> Detroit, and OKC tied, and Indiana. You only have one game separate between all each of, of them. Yeah, each tier, right? The second best odds, third best odds, and the fifth, aka the fourth best odds. And that's kind of how it ended up last year as well. That's a good point. You mentioned the coin flip, Jacob. Very good point. Wow, the coin flip kind of screwed OKC. Last I mean, if year. you can look, all I'm saying is maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves and the. Uh, uh, I'm going blank. The Utah Jazz just lighting it up from three point land tonight, and Bogdanovich having a career night from three. It's a blessing in disguise. Good baby. omens. Good, good omens yep. for the, the the lottery odds for OKC. Also, more on the tank update. So, so that's kind of OKC's pick, and um, I don't know. That made me feel better about the Thunder's chance to climb uh, yes, up uh, to the third best odds. Um, Silva, you mentioned it earlier. Detroit's been playing well. Mm-hmm. Like well, well is maybe not the right word. They've been playing better and they've been playing competently. If if we could take Detroit's last ten and apply it to to the rest of the season, I think OKC would pass them. Now, is Detroit going to pull some levers as well? Uh, I definitely think so. But I, I'm feeling better than I did before. Um, Man, can you imagine if like Oklahoma City did not go into Denver and win that game and did not go into Indiana and win that game and had two less losses? They would be only one win ahead of Detroit. They'd be at 18 and 46 and Detroit would be at 17 and 47. The Thunder would be right there in the doorstep. The good feelings from those wins really are fleeting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it feels good in the moment and you're excited that they won. 
a lot of people are very like anti-tank. I was rooting in a way I found myself like rooting for the comeback when the Thunder got the Jazz lead down to like eight and to nine points. Mm-hmm. I'm just like laughing hysterically because like you know the Jazz like we, and we can't we land. can't control any of that obviously right. But the, the tank is all like we all want the Thunder to be successful, and we're willing to sacrifice <laughs> that that temp, the temporary fun of a single game win for the long term success. Of, right. of the franchise, right? Exactly. Um, moving on from Oklahoma City, <laughs> the Los Angeles Clippers have won five straight. They're up to uh, number 16 in the reverse standings. Uh, they're still in the same spot as the eighth seed uh, in the Western Conference playoffs, so they would be in the play-in tournament, but they are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've won five straight. Uh, I don't think there's any chance that they're going to slide. The Lakers are 13 games behind. The Clippers are 18 games behind. So the Clippers have a five-game lead uh, on the Lakers. I just don't see the Lakers catching them. So the best-case scenario for OKC is that the the Clippers, they have to lose two games in a row to get bounced from the play-in. That's the best-case scenario, is that they lose in the play-in. Let me tell you something. If, they, if, the, if it's a battle for, for LA, if it's eight versus nine, Clippers versus Lakers and the Lakers win the first matchup and it goes to winner take all one team's in the playoff Ooh. one team's in the lottery we're hosting a watch party yeah. we're hosting 110%. a Clippers hate watch party and it's going to be incredible yes personally and- I can't wait for it <laughs> okay let's wrap this show up by taking a trip around the association I don't even know where you're sitting at <laughs> <laughs> Hey, real quick, speaking of the tank, the Knicks up 16 on the Clippers right now. Ooh. I'm saying that everyone who listens to this pod that's not on the live stream are going to be hearing this after the fact, and I probably just jinxed it. We know the Clippers will come back. They always do. Apologies. But can the Knicks, and the Knicks always blow leads. Yep. So congratulations. All right, here we go. Clippers. Around the association, I have a series of four questions here about the NBA uh, comparing Eastern and Western conferences. We're going to ping you two back and forth. Silva, you are first up. This is a fun one. All right. Who is more likely to get bounced out of the play-in tournament? So that means they, they go to the play-in tournament, but they lose and they don't make the playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets or the Los Angeles Lakers, two this flagship is- <laughs> programs of the NBA. <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, it's, I, I definitely think it's the Lakers. They are just a dumpster fire of just hatred right now. A uh, story <laughs> got leaked of uh, many within the Lakers are pushing for Russell Westbrook to be benched, but Frank Vogel just won't do it. Uh, I think LeBron just hates hates this season and wants it to be over. Hey, LeBron um, snapped Saturday night. He did. He really did. I think he might have to keep doing that. Keep it afloat. Yeah. Um, if, they got DJ Augustine. What are you talking got, about? <laughs> yeah, making moves. Uh, it, I will say if Anthony Davis comes back that and is and doesn't get hurt immediately again, that makes things <laughs> spicy. True. Uh, but I'd still probably pick the Lakers. Or the, the Lakers to be bounced out. So. Very good. Did you see the SNL skit? Yes. No. Oh my gosh. Oh. Comparing the Russian military effort to the Lakers. Lakers it was, it was pretty good. Because of poor, uh, poor leadership. Oh my gosh. It was, it was pretty fantastic. good. Taylor, you get the next one. Again, these are all West versus East themes. 
Who is more likely to make a conference finals run? Boston Celtics, who are surging, or the Memphis Grizzlies, who are also surging? So again, I'm on the dock and I can see all of these. And I definitely think this is the hardest one. Um, like it's so hard in that's hindsight after watching that. Yeah, that's what she said. Yeah, Michael Cage uh, had after, so many tonight. <laughs> oh my gosh. Michael Cage is on, on a roll. Um, Michael different Cage podcast for a different time, I guess. some Roman before that game, before that broadcast. <laughs> who, was he, uh, who was he comparing? Uh, oh, I can't remember now. He keeps coming. It? Yes. Just like the Terminator. This man just like the Terminator. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching some Frenchman on Frenchman action, is what he said. (laughs) Michael Cage into the French. Wee wee. Uh... (laughs) Is that what they call it over there? No offense to our French speaking uh, podcast listeners. We love you guys. Uh, Just in hindsight, like looking back at that Celtics Nets game. It's so hard, especially like after you said again, after the Celtics have been playing recently, you know, the best defense. There's just like a ridiculous stats that I had from stat views. I don't have them. They've been playing really well. Um, and the Grizzlies are just so fun, but I, I still, I'm just going to say they're still too young. And okay. I, I think Jason Tatum is like one of the best players in the league. I'm going Celtics. That's a very, very long answer. I'm sorry. No, it's. I think it's <laughs> totally fair that Boston has been on a tear. What, the best defense in the league and in second place is a distance. See if I can find. Yeah, you Boston, guys go ahead. And Boston has been this. very, very good. Silva, another mm-hmm. West versus East theme, this time against two struggling teams. Who are you more worried about down the stretch, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Golden State Warriors? Also I actually one. think I'm more worried about Golden State. Uh, their defense has fallen off a cliff without Draymond uh, because of this. he's been out for a while with this. Quite with a this while. Yeah. And Draymond is the point guard of that team. Uh, he is like their best defender by far. And I think they are, I'm looking up their record right now as of late. Let's see. I can get it right here. Last 10, they are two and eight. Eight. That's what I thought. And they've lost four in a row. Yeah, so I, I think they're going to be relying on James Wiseman, uh, which I, I personally don't know if that's what you want to do, heading right into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely more worried about N- Golden State. Nick is very high on he James is. Wiseman being a he contributor is. to the playoffs. I, I, I feel I, a worried about I'm a guy that's never played in the playoffs. But Camilla looked really good last night. Yeah, he's playing well. Um, I think it's uh, – never mind, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I just really quick finally found it. Celtics are legit from Stat Muse. Best defense in the NBA. Best field goal percentage. Best field goal percentage defense in the NBA. So they're again, it's a defensive stat. Uh, best point di- differential in 2022. Best point differential in the East. They've won 10 straight first current playoff teams. Also, when I was scrolling through this, Stat Muse had a fun one on Shea. His last six games, we already said, but he's averaging a career high 24 points per game this season. I didn't really hey, realize that. Gotta love it. Sorry. Anyways, next question. Taylor, you get the final <laughs> East versus West. Minus the Nets and the Lakers, you cannot answer either of those two teams. Which play in teams from each we're playing teams from each conference? You have to choose a Western conference and an Eastern Conference team. Play in team. Do you have the most faith in that they can win a playoff series? So your options in the East. Let's start with the East. Toronto Raptors, Charlotte Hornets, Atlanta Hawks. Oh man, I'm going Raptors on that one. 
Oh, interesting. You're not going the uh, previous Eastern Conference Finals uh, Atlanta Hawks. No, I. Okay. I mean, I they have the experience. I get it, but like the Raptors are playing some damn good basketball, and they added um, Scotty Barnes, who's been phenomenal, and, and just like you know, you're gonna get OG back from his his finger injury or whatever it is right now. Fred Van Fleet's playing at a high level. Pascal Siakam's been so much better um, after his like rough early start to the season. Since then, he's been phenomenal. When they're clicking all cylinders, they're pretty tough to beat. Um, and I like it. <laughs> actually, your, your the last games are three of seven. But you, your <laughs> options for the West, since we're leaving out the Lakers, because we already did a question about them. You have the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are in the seventh seed, the Clippers, and the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh. I mean, assuming that the Clippers don't get back PG or Kawhi, I think even then I'm still winning Clippers. Yeah. They just continue I don't to want to, but I think that makes the most sense. Silva, do you have differing answers for either conference? Uh, I think I, I think I do a little bit. I think the, the Hawks the Hawks have just had weird vibes all year, especially with that comment from Trey Young like three weeks into the season where he's like, "Yeah, it's just hard to find motivation to play in the regular season." Like, all right, you guys. Haven't been good for long. Once, bro. Been in the playoffs Calm once, down. dude. Like, um, acts like, he, acts like he's LeBron. I know. Uh, I think the Hawks could surprise somebody. And then in the West, I like. I want to see the Timberwolves make the playoffs. I think that the be Timberwolves really exciting. are playing good, dude. Yeah, it's also the they're, wild card of. Uh, really good. It's also the wild card of Zion maybe coming back. We've heard some that's more on point. Zion this week. That's a good point. I don't and, uh, trust it, got, but that's a good point. Got a new, you got the dad of the franchise, CJ McCollum, steering him, steering him in the right direction. Could be a lot of fun. As of right now, the th- uh, well, I guess the two-seven matchup would be Golden State versus Minnesota, which would be a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Minnesota is at thirty-six and twenty-nine. They're seven and three in their last ten, and they're on a four-game win streak. They're like finally a solid team. Mm-hmm. They're playing really good. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy that team. I'm happy for Carl Anthony Towns. After he, all the stuff he personally he's been through, he deserves this. And Anthony Edwards. God, dude. So much fun. If we can get some Ant Edwards playoff post-podium games. I need that. Where he's just ordering McDonald's after <laughs> he just 20-pieced the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> sign me up, man. Love it. All right. I think it is time for us to get out of here, gentlemen. Hey, if you were in the stream tonight, thanks so much. If you listen to the podcast version of this, we appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your shows from. Drop that five-star rating. DM us a picture of your five-star rating. We'll send you some uncontested stickers. Also, go to cottonbureau.com. Search the uncontested. Order yourself some new Thunder Drip. We've got all kinds of new designs up. Love to see some of you guys order those shirts. Two games on the docket for the Thunder this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. We will have post games after both of those and then be back with you again Sunday night after the Thunder game doing our weekly Sunday stream. Until then, you guys have a great week. Have a great Monday. We will talk to you Tuesday night. Until then, and as always, Thunder up! It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com